Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to the Keen Odyssey 2. Well, we look back at... Ca- uh, fucking hell. Welcome along to the Keen Odyssey 2, where we look back at Roy Keane's first book, which I think was just called Keen. My Story or something like that. Should we call it Keen-O? No, we will not be calling it Keen-O. How about Keen-O, a footballer's life? Do you know what, Dunphy? You're this close to being sacked already. Call it Keen. Are you trying to bump up the fucking word count already, Dunphy? Just call it Keen. It's not fuck about here. (laughs) Keen is what it's called. I am Roy Keen. We'll call it Roy Keen if you want to call it something else. But it's that or Keen. And I'm not going to fucking argue with you about it. We are at the stage where he's about to leave um, Nottingham Forest. There's a lot of transfer speculation because Forest are about to get relegated. Yeah. Um, Clough's giving him a new contract to try and um, keep him and a few days after he signs the new contract Brian Clough sends the team to Jersey for a few days rest and recreation and coincidentally the Jersey branch of the Irish Supporters Club had asked him to bring along a signed international shirt which they wanted at auction he said I brought the shirt with me made an appointment to meet a guy who was to pick it up at our hotel he never showed fucking hell why would you not do that what's going on in Jersey what is the fucking situation in Jersey where people make appointments with someone the likes of Roy Keane and then don't show I mean what distraction could there be other than seeing Bergerac I know as I was going to say if you've seen Bergerac you actually should know that Jersey is quite an eventful and dramatic place so who knows what might have happened a murder Charlie Mm. yeah Charlie I know this is probably quite old hat to speculate about Charlie and his agenda and yeah. all the rest of it. <laughs> his agenda. Right. What's your agenda, Charlie? But do you not think that Charlie was the prototype, original and ultimate Brexiteer? He's almost got a whiff of Farage about him, hasn't he? Totally. Yeah. He's like... He, He's the bridge between the Nazis and Farage. He, if you do a, 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 tr- a trace, like a, a real deep dive into Farage and where he came from, like in the Star Wars films where people say, who is Origin story. Anakin Skywalker? Where did he come from? Yeah. This would be like, if you went back, he is to... You would discover that Nigel Farage was created by Charlie from Bergerac. Yeah. Let me just look up Charlie DNA. from Bergerac. Yeah, I mean, for a start, as you have mentioned many times, in many ways you taught me, it's like, if you fucking... If 
it's a, the alarm bells ring the fact that the cunt's living in Jersey in the first place <laughs> you think what's brought you to Jersey yeah do you know what I mean what's the agenda what's yeah. the agenda here um, I don't know why you're here you're obviously well funded by whom I don't know the Kremlin I don't know some shadowy type somewhere maybe yeah. Charlie doesn't know who's funding him just like Farage just like Farage you don't know Farage doesn't know who's funding I him I think Farage does know have you seen I've seen that video of Farage no he came out recently about his march from Sunderland to London hmm. he looks like a man who is not sleeping at the minute and I don't know whether that's coinciding with the Do Mueller, you, Mueller investigation you, you think he he knows that he's next on the list I think so this is going to go out two weeks after we've recorded it so he's probably already in prison now Jim Bergerac was a complex character presented by the series as somewhat unorthodox police officer. He was recovering from alcoholism. Yeah. there's You're not going to be in Jersey without some... Unless you're a, a native of Jersey, and if you are and you're listening to this, I think it's a beautiful island from what I've been told. So I haven't got a problem with you. I'm not saying you're the Isle of fucking man. <laughs> but <laughs> if you've had to go to Jersey, there's going to be a reason, a reason, and that reason you might be dark. it's a good place for detoxing. Alcoholism partly resulted from an unpleasant divorce. Oh, God. <laughs> Unorthodox policing as well. He used to wear a brown leather jacket. But he is a Jersey native. He returned to the island at the start of the series after recuperating in England from ill health, dipsomania, and major surgery on his leg. <laughs> That's quite a backstory. Yeah, I know. That's any right. of that come up in the. He needs a backstory. <laughs> He needs some vulnerability. Something bad happened in his past. You know, all the detectives have it. Alcoholism, yeah, put that down. But he needs something else as well, something deeper. Alcoholism's a cliche. We've seen that time and time again. All right, all right. What about he's got a bad leg, but it's so bad he's had to have an operation on it. He's had to have a leg operation. Jesus. Is he going to have a limp in this thing? He might do. We don't know. We'll speak to John Nettle, see if he can do limping. Yeah, get on the phone to his agent and ask him if limping is in his acting repertoire. We've got a query about John regarding the series we're going to do. Can can John do limping? (laughs) Can he limp all the time? (laughs) How much? How much more? No, we're not prepared to stretch to that. Right, we'll say no. that the operation was really successful. It was, a success, yeah. it was uh, pioneering keyhole surgery techniques, and that's why his leg's better. And he's fully recuperated. But yeah. we'll keep it in the backstory because it, it sounds he, interesting. He had major surgery on his leg following an accident caused by his drinking heavily prior to an attempted arrest. There you go. You're bustling out the place. Oh, fuck me. I've done my leg. I've got over on my leg. Come back, you bastards. Oh, Jesus. It. My leg's fucked. <laughs> it's shot to fuck. <laughs> it been, I think it's my knee. Oh, they've got they've got away now. I'm gonna need. I say. I think I'm gonna need an operation on this. To be honest. <laughs> oh God, I'll have to recuperate. No, I'm not pissed. I just slipped. Someone can slip without being pissed, you know. Fucking hell. Everyone's a fucking judge and jury these days. Right, that'll be me back to Jersey to recuperate. I've, six months. I've got a mate back there called Charlie. I don't know what his agenda is, but he seems to be well funded. He's got a big house and a nice spare room. I'll stay there. Maybe I could do some private security yeah, work for him. A, I'll put a nice brown leather jacket on. That'll make me look important. Oh, do you know what's interesting? There is nothing about Charlie on this Wikipedia entry. Of the Bergerac series? The main supporting... Hang on. The main supporting character is Jim Bergerac's former father-in-law. We will return to the Keen Odyssey uh, very soon. Former father-in-law Charlie Hungerford, yep. played by Terence Alexander, known for having played Monty in the BBC adaptation of the Forsyth Saga. Charlie was a lovable rogue uh, uh. and would-be tycoon. 
Nah. Often involved in We're shady all dealings. Tycoon, mate. Everyone's a would be tycoon. Often involved in shady dealings, but paradoxically something of an innocent. No, he fucking nah. wasn't. That was an act. Bergerac usually had good relationship with him, although in the first episode, picking it up, they were not on the best of terms. Charlie was involved in all but two of the eight, seven episodes. Charlie was a... We think that Charlie was linked to the Nazis, and we think he created Farage. And was Charlie the man who arranged to meet Roy Keane in Jersey and then was a no-show? Quite possibly. Very definitely. Mm. He was also hoarding naughty gold, I think, in his big house. Yeah. Getting back to that thing, though, would-be tycoon. If someone said to you, do you want to be a tycoon, what would you say? Nah, not bothered. Exactly. Yeah, of course I'd say yes. <laughs> We're all a would-be tycoon, for fuck's sake, man. Yep. So anyway, yeah, that was the reason Keane is in, in Jersey, uh, along with the Forest team. Uh, the fella never showed. The plan for the trip was to do some light training. Some of the lads headed for the golf course afterwards. Me and Des Walker headed for the bar. On the second day, Des and I enjoyed a long afternoon session before heading back to the hotel for dinner. In the hotel, we met Liam O'Kane, first team coach, Archie Gamble and Alan Hill, Forest Chief Scout. In the far corner of the lounge, a large group was celebrating. They turned out to be a ladies' hockey team and their husbands. A lady approached. Are you Roy Keane? She inquired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> fucking not. That's me doing my ladies' <laughs> voice there. Yes. Would you like to contribute to our charity auction? She went on. We're auctioning off famous people's underwear signed by them. I'm sorry I replied, but I've got a signed Irish International shirt upstairs. I'll get that for you. It's got to be underwear, she insisted. I'm sorry I can't help you, but you can have the Irish shirt, I suggested. An Irish shirt? She sneered. <laughs> Who wants an Irish shirt? Oh, my gosh, she had pissed. That was the problem. Probably. Yeah, well, I know people like Celebrate this. a big win, weren't they? Mm. Um, I mean, she, you know, she'd gone over and approached him in the first place. Mm. What wanted his signed underwear? Got the hump when he offered her a shirt I, instead. I can picture this fucking. Moment. I know people like this. They have too many drinks. They approach someone famous, and they slip very easily, <clears throat> really weirdly, between mm. ingratiating themselves in an almost embarrassingly crass and over the top way, yeah. and then the next second doing the whole I don't, gi- I don't give a fuck who you are don't think I'm impressed by you routine do you get that and they lot? go back and forth back and forth back and forth do you yeah, get, I get that all the time no I've seen it done on <laughs> other people I've right. seen it done on famous people I don't give a fuck who you are mate I love you you're fucking great I, you're fucking great you're brilliant you are you're one of my favourite people who the fuck do you think you fucking are? And that is who this woman was to Roy You King. see this on Twitter as well when people get into rows with celebrities and they'll, then they'll drop in the line like, it used to be a fan of your work, but I'm not so sure anymore. Mm, yeah. So um, Des and the coaching staff were enjoying my discomfort. Without any warning, she then threw her gin and tonic straight into my face. <laughs> Have you seen that happen? No fucking hell. Jesus, next level. Uh, I was stunned and embarrassed. When I recovered my composure, such as it was, for I was well on myself, he says. <laughs> well on. <laughs> phrase. The hockey player was making her way back to her company. I picked up my pint of lager, went over to her table and poured the drink over her head. <laughs> <laughs> that, to be honest, no. But, no. having said that... Not to a lady. I've thrown a glass of water in a lady's face before. Have you? Was she a celebrity? Well, interesting you should say that, because she wasn't at the time. But no, in, the, in the future, she's not now, she wasn't then, but she did have her moment. It, at university, I was I was at university, I think I might have told you this on TalkSport before, I was at university with, a, with um, a living in, you know, on campus in Diggs, 
with a girl called Mel, who was a mate, really. She was really nice, but, we, you know, sometimes we had, like all friends do, you have the odd row. Yeah, and, water gets thrown. And water gets thrown. And anyway, she subsequently became Mel off the first series of Big Brother. Oh, yeah. I remember, remember her. That, yeah. Mixed race, pretty, yeah. curly hair, and made quite a big... She made a big splash. I think she was my favourite in on, the first series. On episode one. Because I think she snogged a couple of different people in the house. I can't remember Whoa, exactly. Oh, that's massive. And um, but she was great. But anyway, we had an argument one t- one evening, <laughs> and <laughs> I was in a really bad mood. And I threw a glass. I picked. I, I was just madness. I just picked up a glass of. She'd really antagonised me. <laughs> she triggered me, and I, I picked up a glass and of water a good way. off the table. <laughs> And just do it in her face, and then just fucking stomped off all triumphantly, <laughs> like I'd been, I'd won the argument. Yeah. And I remember her coming to knock on my bedroom door, like later that evening, and being quite reasonable and saying, "I think we should talk about that. That was a bit out of order. I think you should apologise." And me continuing to be a cunt about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to apologise. You don't want need to apologise. You're rude. If you go, if you're rude to me, she's supposed to get water thrown in her face. <laughs> thinking I was being all tough are you like 19 or something yeah she was a bit older than me she was like a million times more mature (laughs) and and reacted to my unreasonable behaviour in an extremely adult way yeah and I decided to double down (laughs) on my immaturity and obnoxiousness so Oh, it's man. a classic Sam Delaney story. Yeah, Delaney the cunt. Yeah, it's another Delaney the, the cunt. Years. I've ch- I wouldn't do that nowadays. Of course not. I did throw some food at my dad last year on Father's Day. Did you? Yeah, we took him out to a nice restaurant and he antagonised me. And I... On Father's Day? On Father's Day, yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's complicated, isn't it? Families. Uh, the, I won't go through the whole argument, but it ended with him going... <laughs> He said, I went, all right, fine, you're right and I'm wrong, because we've been having an argument. And he went, pathetic, backing down, because you know you're wrong. And I went, yeah, that's right. I'm fucking stupid and you're clever, happy now, really childish. Yeah. And he went, I can't, he said something really out of order. He went, how pathetic. (laughs) Something really, really antagonistic. And I went, do you know what, actually? fuck this I'm going because I thought I'll be fucked if I'm sat here in a fancy restaurant yeah uh, with you antagonising me and at the end of which I'm going to pay for the meal fuck this and walking out of any situation you don't want to be in is always a good thing it would have been but as I stood up and went to walk away he went oh imagine your dad saying this as I went to leave he went oh storming out very mature <laughs> Now, unlike the incident with Mel Hill where I threw the water at her, <laughs> which I do regret. And if you listen to this, Mel. And if you're listening to this, Mel, which I know you are, I am sorry. But but in the experience with my dad, which was years later, you know, because it was only last year, year before, I can't remember, I don't regret because he's gone all very mature. Yeah. And at the moment he said that, the waiter brought over his main course, which was liver and onions with mashed potato. <laughs> right. It was a posh place, but you know some of these posh places do... Posh oh, liver. Yeah, posh liver. And uh, as they said it, they put this thing down. And I was so enraged. You know, I saw red. Yeah. I saw red. And I fucking... He said, very mature. And the moment he said it, I fucking... I, I didn't want to swing from because that would be awful to hit your own father, wouldn't it? Yeah. I picked up a fist. Star Wars. I fit for the. I picked up. A, I felt like Luke Skywalker. 
striking down Darth Vader. I picked up a handful of mashed potato, gravy and onions and not, liver. And liver, yeah. And I went, fuck off, really loudly. And I went, fuck, and I threw it at him and he was wearing a lovely clean white shirt and it splattered all over him. <laughs> And then I walked off. I swaggered off like I thought I was fucking Mike Reed from EastEnders. Yeah. And I'm not joking, right? The whole fucking posh restaurant, you could literally the cutlery clink. Everyone went quiet. Yeah. And as I walked out, the maitre d' looked at me like I was a piece of shit. Yeah. Right? Because he didn't know the build-up. All he'd seen was a young man stand up, shout fuck off and throw a load of food at an an old man on Father's Day. As I walked past the maitre d', I gave it the old, ta-da. <laughs> Be lucky. Be lucky. <laughs> Carried away on a moonlight shadow, shadow. So, for the meal then, Dad? No, it was my fucking brothers and one of my sisters was there. Oh, right. Two of my brothers and one of my sisters were there. Oh, man. They didn't say fuck all. They just was like, they sat through the old thing staring at their fucking shoes, didn't they? Oh, no. What's that that again? Come on, everyone. Everyone calm down. Why can't we just be a normal family? Shut up or you'll all get fucking liver thrown at you, you cunts. (laughs) You want some as well, don't you? I'll order out some more. Waiter, waiter, waiter. Can I have another three rounds of liver and onions over here? Just bring the cheapest thing on the menu. Yeah. Because now we're all over. It's going to get chucked around. They're all getting fucking livered. Bam, 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 bam. It's a fucking massacre. Cunts. As you can see, I don't regret any of it. I regret the Mel Hill thing, but my dad needed liver throwing at him. Yeah. And has the... What, what has the aftermath been? Has attitudes changed? Has the dynamic in your relationship changed as a result of your action? He is much more standoffish with me now when there are really? confrontations on the horizon. Right. He doesn't around. want to have a conversation. And um, because he's an extremely... I love him dearly he's my mm. father and i love him and he's a good man but like a lot of men he is antagonistic right to, to amuse himself mm. you know like he defended himself in court exactly that's just so the we, sort of shit he likes to I do i admire him immensely for that yeah and he he treats a lot of encounters day to day as if he is in a courtroom yeah defending himself which yeah. is why he thought he could defend himself in court <laughs> so he'll often just be a uh, yeah it'll be contrary in order to provoke antagonistic situations that's what is his hobby and there's lots of people like that but if you've had it for years in the end you're gonna throw fucking liver at the cunt aren't you someone's gonna get covered in liver and that's the game changer let's go i said to him at the time you live by the liver you die by the liver (laughs) he sent me an apology though did he it's the only time in my life i think he's ever apologized to me sent me a text that night saying sorry i I shouldn't have wound you up like that and i said sorry i threw liver at you good so closure. it was straight, yeah. We've there's got no immediate winners. closure. There's no winners and there's no losers when in When liver one, gets thrown in a posh restaurant on Father's Day, there can't be any winners, mate. No, that's when a line's been crossed. We're all losers. Yeah. And so I'm glad that we've moved on. Jalapeño. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jalapeño. If I could just return to the, uh, the scene in Jersey in the hotel lounge. Um, Kane says I picked up my pint of lager went over to her table and poured the drink over her head <laughs> the next line is next thing her husband and I were on the floor exchanging blows oh mate that's amazing <laughs> I'm not sure how it happened uh, I, think, I think some pushing and shoving there was occurred. a bit of pushing and shoving I'm not too sure <laughs> Stuart Pierce took me upstairs fuck, to my room. Fuck me, right? <laughs> so you've got so you've got a drunk wife. Thank God my wife is not one of those women, but I've got lots of mates, female mates who mm. can turn. Yeah. I mean, God, my best mate, his ex-girlfriend, she was n- non-stop causing situations like this. Yeah. You know, you'd be outside a nightclub and my mate's extremely placid guy. He's not a fucking... He hates confrontation yeah. and aggression, you know. He's a gen- he's a very gentle person, mm. and she would get pissed, and she would start a fight with bouncers, and she would drive them to the point in which they had to sort of shove her a bit or mm-hmm. something, and then she would she turn- might have been into that. She would turn, yeah, probably. <laughs> She'd turn around to him and go, "Are you gonna fucking? <laughs> to are up. you gonna fucking let them do that to me? Are you gonna throw some liver at these cats or what? Yeah, and he'd be like, oh. Yeah. Okay, come on, let's just all come down. And she'd start turning on him like, you're fucking pathetic. Look at you. They're pushing your fucking girlfriend around and you're just stood there like a wet fucking blanket. And I'd feel so bad for you. Are you man or mess? Because if your missus went over and fucking threw a drink at, in the face Roy of Roy Keane, I suppose as a younger man, I would have felt as if I had to intervene. Mm. But now I wouldn't. I'd go, Mr Keane. I am sorry about that. My my lady friend is inebriated, which is inappropriate, and I'm going to take her home. I mean, I'm assuming think, she was drunk. I don't know. So this this ex girlfriend of your mate was she like this all the time, or was it just when she was pissed up? Always when she was pissed up. So you see, at any stages of a relationship, the early stages, both parties should go out and get shit faced together, because that's the most extreme that it can get and you can see what they're really made of and then decide if that's what you want to be a part of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a relationship test early on. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, and this is a terrible sexist thing to say, but it's his explanation, and I can understand it, and a lot of male listeners understand it, if you take into account that he was just 19 when he got together with her, but she had the most enormous tits. Right. And I know, I know it's not appropriate to say, yeah. But it's just the truth. At, she at was, the age of nineteen, that kind of thing's important. She looked oh, like Julia Roberts, but Julia Roberts with the tits of Sam Fox. Jesus. That's the way to explain her. And he was vulnerable. He'd yeah. had, uh, he'd, you know, some things had been happening in his was life. He pu- was he punching above his weight? Uh, he's a good-looking lad himself, I think. Right. But he he felt as if he was. Yeah. He felt as if he was. And she was, you know, I mean, he, he, by his own admission, when he looks back now and talks about it, it's sort of like, 
I mean, what can I tell you? She was a fucking nightmare. But, you know, when I was 19, I was inexperienced with women. I was feeling very vulnerable because he'd had some issues in his life. Okay. He'd, been, he'd gone through a sad period. Yeah. And suddenly... Sadness is bad. Suddenly, one night, this girl's unleashed these bosoms and said, Didn't look I am your girlfriend now. Yeah. And he's gone, what oh, are you gonna do? all right. Yeah. And, Unlike you know... some of the losers who send their emails into us who just go like, oh, I've got to go get the boss now. He's, he, 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 he went it. through years of her causing te- the most terrible, <laughs> terrible incidents that put him in mortal danger. Yeah. And at the end of the day, he well, stuck it, with it, it for the length he did. Because of the tits. It was it, evened out. It was the tits. And and it, it, I don't think it's sexist to say that. I'm just saying that was his thinking it's, at the I, time. I, I, and, and show me a 19-year-old boy who wouldn't have been influenced in the same way. It could be seen as being sexist, but relationships are complicated they're complex there's various dynamics and shifting parts involved exactly and one and of those parts is often boobs yeah so <laughs> just one this is what, this there's is other things as well but when you're 19 boobs are a big deal this and that this and that in it right back to Roy Keane um, this has been a very therapeutic episode this one hmm for us, not so much for Roy Keane. If he's listening, then I doubt he, he would probably found switched it off by now. No, it's fucking barring. None is the boat me this week. What the fuck? Hey, put on Radio Two. Fuck's sake! They usually talk about me all the time. Do you know what I like? Put on Jeremy Vine. At least he talks some fucking sense. Some of the people that ring in's got a lot of things to say. Good. Yeah, so it's it's that last season at Forest. It was the first season of the Premier League. It was Nottingham Forest's uh, last season in the top flight because they got relegated and it was Brian Clough's last season as manager uh, he says we were in theory too good to go down but somehow the energy and belief Brian Clough had his best and instilled in his teams had been sucked out of the club distracted by things that had no bearing on team affairs drink mm. um, at odds with the forest board and the shareholders drink, drink. Uh, tired from years of inspiring this relatively small club to punch way above its weight drink, drink. Mm. Uh, Brian Clough was now experiencing failure for the first time in his illustrious career it was sad to Drink. see. I remember well. I remember well, but yeah, um, those in the forest dressing room had muttered about him being gone. Were now mm. being proved right. But he says, as always in dressing rooms, the last thing people did was look at themselves and accept responsibility for their own feelings. Within minutes of losing their Premier League status, some of the players were cracking jokes in the showers. I couldn't believe it. Their careers were on the slide. Knock knock. <laughs> Who's there? Felix, Felix, who? Felix, my ice cream, not like his. Ha ha ha! It's not fucking time for jokes. <laughs> I heard that. Who was that? Steve Chettle. Did I hear you saying doctor, doctor? <laughs> Did I hear you doing a doctor, doctor joke to Franz Carr? Is that what I just heard? Well, fucking stop it. It's no time for joking. I'm, you know, you know me. I love a joke as much as the next fella, but now's not the time. What's that? Two fellas walk into a bar. Ian Wohn is the barman. What the fuck is going on here? You've just lost your top flight status. And you're all standing around in the shower, naked, making jokes. You, Nigel Jemson, I distinctly heard you saying an Englishman, an Irishman and a Scotsman were on a plane over Munich. And I don't like the way this is going. It sounds like a joke. It wasn't. Would well, you like to elaborate more about the Irishman in this story? It wasn't a joke. It was just a story I was saying. It was a fucking joke. And we've just been relegated from the top tier. And I don't... The jokes can fucking wait. <laughs> I stood by the ex- exit of the showers, naked, and I waited for them to come out. I punched each one of them in the face <laughs> one by one. It was the funniest part of the day. 
It was a real shame seeing Forrest relegated. I bet I don't know what you think about this, but I've always thought Forrest are a team that the nation has an affection for. Yeah, yeah, they still do because of Clough and because of winning those European Cups. Um, There's a small-ish club yeah. that won the league and then won the Cups and then had Clough. And then after that, in the 80s, even when they were in the decline, I was always them in our Sabutio league because my brother wouldn't let me be West Ham because he right. was West Ham. Yeah. And, you know, they had, they always had, they always played good football and they always had exciting players in the team, didn't they? Yeah. Like Roy Keane, Stuart Pearce, but also, you know, people like Nigel Clough. Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham yeah. exactly they were they were a team that people have an affection for everyone wants to see him back in the Premier League one day and the thing is is that you know when you could see he was in decline because it was quite visible his decline yeah. wasn't it it was just a shame everyone because they were too good to go the players they should have stayed up and it, you could see it was because he was in decline and it was just sad because he was a national he was a national treasure it was um, it's, it's that thing where that was the first year of the Premier League where the first year when football coverage exploded and was everywhere yeah but if can you imagine if the Premier League had been around 10 years before and you'd had Brian Clough he would have doing dominated. press conferences yeah. every day and interviews left right and centre fuck me that would have been incredible when Mourinho first came on the scene everyone compared him to Clough mm. and I look at how and he was a breath of fresh air Mourinho when he first arrived but you look at him now and you think he is not even to mention those two names in the same breath in terms of achievement sure Mourinho's achieved the same and more although I would say on the whole he's done that with much with much more resources at his disposal than, than Brian Clough ever had definitely but you know in terms of charisma eccentricity and uniqueness completely fucking universes apart I mean Brian yeah. Jose Mourinho's his career went on just descended into being quite a bitter and resentful person I've got a theory that Jose Mourinho doesn't like football yeah it's his job it's to how destroy he makes his it money from the inside he doesn't enjoy it at all do you think he's trying to destroy football from the inside he's had a go yeah. He's got a bash at it, but I think we've defeated him. When he was Football the, when has he defeated was the, him. He's when in he, the wilderness now. When he was the world's number one manager, everyone was playing effectively Mourinho ball. Mm. Everyone, you, there were trends in football. They saw how he was doing and they saw how he was succeeding. And so everyone thought that's how we have to perform, which yeah. was about stifling the opposition, whoever you were playing, and winning games like a war of attrition. And now we live in the era of Guardiola and Klopp. Klopp ball. And everyone wants to play that kind of... In fact, not Guardiola so much. When he was at Barcelona, played fucking tedious football of a different nature, in my opinion. But the kind of free... Tiki-taka. Tiki-taka, fuck off. Ficky-fucker. <laughs> I think I can do better than that. Twitty-twatter. Still not that much better. Cuntball. Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretentious, wasn't it? But Klopp, I Jürgen Klopp. It. Everyone wants to play like him now. Flying wingers. Yeah. Sighting football. Kind of a bit how Forrest used to play under Clough. Quite right. Yeah. So in fact, is Jürgen Klopp the new Brian Clough? No, he's not because Brian Clough. No manager these days would have the fucking imagination to walk out at Wembley in an FA Cup final <laughs> and surprise the opposing <laughs> manager by holding his hand. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Bielsa. Yeah, the Severino was the new Clough because he did a few jokes now and again. Yeah. And had a bit of a cheeky grin, and that was it. Yeah, there was that's no it. other comparisons. Shall we look at uh, what happened at the end of that season? Yeah, uh, Kenny Dalglish moved in quickly because he he uh, sort of tapped up Keane earlier in the season. There'd been discussions at David O'Leary's house. 
Uh, he was given permission to talk to Blackburn. A four million pound fee was agreed. Um, this, that, and the other. He'd heard that Alan Shearer was on five hundred grand a year, so that's what I demanded. He said, after some bargaining, I accepted the offer of four hundred grand a year. Uh, a deal was agreed late on Friday afternoon. Dalgleish was a huge figure in the game. Um, terms agreed. I was ready to sign the contract, but when Dalgleish phoned Ewood Park, the office staff had left for the weekend. Ah, uh, oh, that—that's exactly the sort of thing that Keane doesn't appreciate. You should be no. in the office the whole time. Yeah, right. I'm going to start my own team up. <laughs> Fuck this. Where you, where have you gone? <laughs> where on earth could you be on a Friday evening? Where you gone home? Do you know, like, I was listening to the last episode, uh. and as you know, when I'm not recording a podcast, I sit at home, locked in the bathroom, listening back to, to, to analyse your performance podcast. and trying to Just improve. laughing, chuckling along, forwarding through your bits, yeah, and listening back to my own bits. Anyway, and you know, you said that you complained about, there was a bit where he complains about these players who, when they finish training, they he goes, they, they go back to their homes or to the pub, or to do other things. And one thing that we didn't pick up on was his mention of going back to homes in a very negative way. Do you know where they go? <laughs> homes. They go to their fucking homes. Can you imagine Have these fuckers not got spider holes? they got fucking houses with carpets and taps. And what do you call it yeah, now? The, the radiator. Oh, they've got a radiator. What's that? Oh, it's a big fucking warming device that you hang on the wall in case you feel a bit chilly. All the mod cons, like the electricity. The electricity. Turn the oh. electricity on and off and on at the blink of an eye. Oh, the water. Oh, what's that? you got a special pipe and you turn it on and one has the cold water and one has the warm water. In case you get a bit thirsty. <laughs> You need to wash your wee hands. Fucking You pathetic. want some water? You go down to the stream. <laughs> what do you think that's a lo- God put saliva in your mouth for? So if you needed water, you just stick your tongue out and fucking lick something. <laughs> right. It was. You a, want it was, a cup of tea? You just generate enough saliva in your mouth. You put it in your tin cup. You go into the woods. You make a fire and you put it on the fire and then you put a leaf or two in for flavouring. You got your own tap. Lovely cup of tea. And it lives in your pants and it's called your wee will rinky. <laughs> and there's what comes out of it whenever you want. It's pathetic. These players with their homes. He and he really does. Honestly, it's written like he thinks yeah. it's sneering yeah. that they <laughs> at any point lifestyle. return to their homes. <laughs> Where are you going? To your home, is it? You'd have to lie. No, Roy, I'm not going to You fucking are. I can see that look in your eye. Oh, I bet exploring. you can't wait. You're going to go home and put your feet up in your I'm wee gonna, home I'm, with your fucking family, you I'm pathetic. I'm going to do some foraging. I'm going to do some foraging in the woods for berries. You know where you leaves. should be? You should be in the fucking sea, swimming, looking for things, catching fish with your bare hands. <laughs> so... With Blackburn, the office staff had left for the weekend. Don't worry, Dalgleish said, you can sign the forms on Monday. Right. We shook hands. Oh. We'll leave it there. In the next episode, we'll find out what happened on Monday. Did he sign for Blackburn or not? Well, you Wait can look see. it up on the internet if you want yeah. to, but it's a spoiler. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.